Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It is the Charity Stripe, the Daily Stripe 1090 ESPN Radio. We want to talk about sports. We want to talk about... We want to talk about my Celtics. They might do it. Honestly, I'm I'm bought can back. We, okay, can we wait until they win the next game before okay. we do the whole break? It we can talk about them still. I don't want to like not talk about the game because we should. Um, but before we start theorizing and getting to Neil deGrasse Tyson about this thing, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's enjoy the win. Let's enjoy the grit. And tenacity that this show, that this team showed, that Tatum showed specifically, which yesterday when we were on our Amazon Amp show, if you're watching this, listening to this, go check that out. Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, Sundays. Uh, not sure how much longer we're going to be doing it, but definitely through the end of the NBA Finals. Um, so go check that out. Download Amazon Amp. Check that show out. We were talking about how Jason Tatum had been not pedestrian because he's an elite basketball player. He was an all NBA first team guy, but not exceeding expectations, which is typically what players do when they're a top 10 player in the NBA. Well, he's also not. Yes. And he's He's also 24. He wasn't consistent in for me. He wasn't consistent enough in the sense of if you're a top 10 player and you're the best player in your team and you're in the Eastern conference finals, like, I'm not saying you have to have a Jokic-type game or a Butler-type game, but you pretty much, by and large, have to be between a 7 and an 8 out of 10 or higher every game. There can't be games where you're, like, absent for three quarters. And there was times in the playoffs where, where that's been the case. He delivered Derek White, honestly, who a guy we used to like, fell out of love with, came to Boston, started to fall back in love with a little more cautiously. He was, he's was he been phenomenal for me this playoffs this season, and I can't say enough good things about White. I texted you and our buddy Brando. I'm like, what would the backcourt – the back cart, the back cart of uh, what would the backcourt of White and Brogdon like? Where would that rank in the NBA if they if that was a starting backcourt? And my gut check is top thirty. Like that's like a legitimate starting backcourt for me in the NBA. Uh, is White and Brogdon, uh, Brown kind of picked it back up. Guys across the board, like look, like that's the win you expected the Celtics to have more than once and more than in Game Four with their backs against their up down three zero in this series. All that being said, no teams come back from 3-0, but there have been teams that have come back from 3-1, and this team is – you're heading back to home where you've been – talk about pedestrian. You've been nothing short of pedestrian at home in this playoffs. You're in a position to at least get back to Miami. 
just get back to Miami. That's what you got to be thinking. And if they take it one game at a time, I think they're a team that has shown the capability. They can do the improbable. They can get back from their backs against the ball and they can get something done. Now, Jimmy's post game presser. We're going to drink beers. We're going to drink wine. We're going to listen to music. We're going to chill and we're going to take it one game at a time. And then we're going to get a win on the road. Like, there's also no doubt in my mind that he can get it done on the road himself. So I'm sitting here. Uh, kind of confident in, in in both these teams in, in some respects, but I do I do appreciate the heart in which the Celtics came out with. And Brown said it: we, we want to play together still, and he knows it. Like they're like these guys are not dumb; they know the how the NBA works just as well as the guys who watch it. If things don't work, changes are made. Don't let and us get one game. Don't let them get one game. Just don't let them get one game is what I wanted to. Yeah, I mean, don't let them get one game for sure. Like the real, but really though, like don't like, because now you're in a position where if you're the heat, you have to go back to, you have to go back to Boston and Boston. Maybe they have been great at home, but what if they are like, what if they do? Okay. We're, we have one because now They have nothing to lose. Everyone they're, they're Everyone. And by and large, they're done. Now that I've written them off, you wrote them off. Our friends have wrote them off. Stephen A said they weren't going to make it past last night, wrote them off. Like, Everyone's written Boston off. So they have nothing. Now, now all of a sudden you go from favorites to playing with nothing to lose. Yeah. I mean, I think we we both predicted on our amp show yesterday that we felt like the Celtics had a good chance at winning that game. So I, I don't I don't think we necessarily wrote them. I mean, in the series, yes. And I still have them written off until they win this next game. And then I will take a really deep dive, but like you said, you're at home, so you got to feel pretty good about that. You win that game, of course, you're going back to Miami, and that will be the ultimate test because if they lose that game, or if, sorry, if they win that game, then it really feels like they could mount the, the true comeback here and do what has never been done before. Um, we love breaking history. We love that. I mean, that that's always an incredibly exciting thing in sports. The Nuggets just did it, right? getting to the finals for the first time um, as a franchise. And yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I mean, I'm really interested in the Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon backcourt just proposal that you've made here. Okay, let's let's rip it. Ready? I have the teams in front of me. You just say yes or no. We can, we can do this quickly. I, okay. I really think we can. Better backcourt. Okay, so that, then the starting quote-unquote Boston backcourt. No, not necessarily. What about Brooklyn starting backcourt? Which is? Brooklyn's starting backcourt is Dinwiddie and Bridges. Well, Bridges isn't really in. I mean, if Bridges is in there, they're, that backcourt's better. Okay. Charlotte. Lamelo and Terry, I guess. Is that? Yeah. I'll take them. You'll take Lamelo and Terry? Yeah. Okay. Atlanta, Young and Murray. Chicago. Um, it's kind of Car- it's kind of like Caruso and Levine. Yeah, Caruso and Levine. So that okay, I'm going to take that. Yeah, Cleveland. You're taking Dallas. You're taking Denver. I assume you're taking. Yeah, yeah. Detro- Detroit. Yeah. Even without coming like Hayes and Ivy. Oh, um, no. I guess at that point, I'd probably take. Brogdon and White, but Cade is coming back next year. So yeah. I'd take Cade and Ivy. Golden State. <laughs> I think I'm going to take that. Yeah. Uh, the Rockets. I mean, I think I'd still take them. It's close, though. 
just from okay. a talent standpoint. Like if we're starting next year, like, yeah, I'm going to take that backcourt. But if we're talking about rotational pieces on a playoff team, I'm going to take Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon every time. Uh, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you have one of these guys as an all-star, like Halliburton, take him. Yeah, like the Knicks with Jalen Brunson, um, you know, with like like the Timberwolves with Anthony Edwards, the Pelicans with CJ McCollum. Like you can keep going, but Clippers? No, but seriously though, Clippers. Like, okay, it's fine. Like Clippers though. That's where you get into an interesting conversation because Paul George is a wing. Kawhi's a wing. Right. So you probably want, and they have Westbrook, Mann, Gordon, like Powell. I would still probably take Brogdon over all those guys. I think he's the best player of all those guys. I really do. He's the sixth man of the year. I, I think he's the best player of all of them. You know, I'm not a big Russ defender, but I'm not ready to say. You'd rather you'd rather Russ than Brogdon? I, I can't. No, I can't get behind that. He was that incredible I, in that first round. He's the only reason why they won a couple of playoff games. He was great, but by and large, this whole year he was—it was kind of like not a Bro- train. Brogdon wreck, hasn't. Brogdon hasn't. He's never really had that. As good as he is, he's really consistent. He's high percentage. He doesn't force it. He plays smart basketball. He plays great defense, but he's not going to take over a game like Russ can, and still mm-hmm. has shown that he that he can. In, but he's never going to. He's rarely going to have a an inefficient game. He's a hyper. They're like the they're like player. the antithesis of each other. Honestly, yeah. I I think it's uh, I think it's worthwhile. I think this Heat team that's interesting. Vincent and Struess. Yeah, but if you yeah, if Hero's in there though, probably lean them. Okay, uh, but like I I would think no, that's, that's a toss up though. You're that's that's legitimate. That's a toss up. Sexton and Clarkson. I probably take those two guys. Clarkson's yeah. won six man of the year too. Monty Morris, Bradley Beal. It's going Bradley Beal. I honestly won't take that one. I'll take the Celtics. Oh wow. You're you are out on Bradley Beal these days. That's crazy. Why shouldn't I be? He's like the third best player on their team this year. Yeah, I we could skip Suns no, Blazers no, 76ers no. Uh, um Ooh, Fultz and Gary Harris. There we go. The magic. Sure. So Wizards, Magic, so all the element teams. But a lot okay, so most of these teams that I we're picking them ahead of though, I wanna throw in there that like the Heat have Jimmy Butler, who brings the ball up a lot. The Magic have Markel Fultz, but they also have Paolo Bancaro and they also have Franz Wagner, who brings the ball up a lot. Like they a lot yeah, of these teams are no, relying on the the Clippers have Paul George. And Kawhi Leonard, who bring the ball up a lot. I mean, the Celtics have Tatum and Brown. They bring the ball up too. No, no, no. I know, I know. But that wasn't the that that's not the exercise that we're doing. But I'm just no. pointing out that a lot of these teams that have some deficiencies deficiencies at the point guard, shooting guard. If we're breaking it out into five different positions on a basketball court, they have really good wings who are versatile, who can play point wing. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of talent across the game, just in general, guys that can do a lot of things. So Sorry. Wizards will say. Um, we'll say the Raptors now because I think you'd rather Van Vliet. Yeah, Van OG. Vliet and is OG. I guess if you're gonna say he's a two, like that's another team where it's like, what position do those guys play? I mean, honestly, if you're doing it like one, two, three, four, five point guard, shooting guard, that like it's Gary Trent Jr. and mm-hmm. and Van Vliet. And I I like both those guys. Um, so who do you take though, Brogdon? Would you rather have Van Vliet and Gary Trent or Brogdon and Derek White? I think I'd rather have Gary Trent and Van Vliet. Okay. 
So right now we're at, I'm counting the Clippers. Clippers, Wizards, Magic, Spurs. Because I, I we like we both like Trey Jones, we both like Devin Vassell, but I still think. Yeah, they yeah they beat the Spurs for sure. Yeah, so Wizards, Spurs, Magic, Clippers. Okay, so there's four teams that this backcourt. You which said they like, were a top a, a top thirty backcourt. So you yeah I'm right. With you. I'm right. Yeah. You're right, wow. man. You're right. Hey, not an overrated take. That's you had take. it on it. You had it, but we get back to basketball. But you had it not an overrated take. If you want to just share with the viewers, listeners, and so on, what your take was about succession, the show we've been covering on our show. I so I told you before we got on. Sometimes you have overrated takes when we let them slide because you say them with such vigor. But this take, I felt this take was like to which to which I said, okay, at least like other people think my takes are good. Nah. And if you want to call it overrated at that point, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the I love the backlash. I'm here for it. Thank you. What about the talk to me though about the take you just had for succession? Because I, yeah, I, so I, I think I think it's awesome. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Succession season four, season four episode nine specifically. Um, you should catch up. You should watch that show if you've never even started the show. It's incredible. It's definitely on my top five list. Um, and time. it's coming to a close, which. Is really sad because the show has been absolutely dynamite. There have been no lulls, in my opinion. It is delivered episode in, episode out, um, and here we are at, at at the penultimate episode. In Kendall, who this entire season I would say has had flickers of disappointment and moments where you felt like, oh, he could lose it you know, with the snap of a finger, but by and large of the three Roy siblings, he's kind of dominating right now in a way that he, in a way that he hasn't before, especially in the last three episodes. So at the living plus, he crushes that speech back, back against the wall. No one thinks he's going to get it done. Starts shaky, turns it around and like knocks it out of the park. Everyone's giving him all this praise showing that he really can be one of the co-CE bros with um, with his younger brother, who then, at, you know, at their father's funeral, breaks down. Sniveling, little, crying Roman. And it was heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, honestly, to watch. And an unbelievable performance, once again, by Kieran Culkin. But I think it, it became abundantly clear that this guy is not cut out to be the CEO of Waystar Royco. Kendall steps up. I'm not really sure, even after watching it twice, what he said in his eulogy. I, it didn't make much sense, but a lot of times that's kind of how he talks, right? He bumbles along. He he stumbles into a point. It's, he's almost like the world's, like the quintessential example of what a podcaster is. Mm. <laughs> But he he had a successful speech in comparison to Roman and in comparison to Shiv um, at the funeral. And he really stepped up for his brother. And I think once again, he showed he is ready to take on 70% of what Logan was as the CEO of, of Waystar Royco. And people are starting to believe it. And he and he starting also, he made that incredible play by bringing Hugo onto his side at the Wake episode and now Hugo has been in his ear with information, left, right, front, and center, and he has an obedient dog in Hugo um, as another guy that's that's working for the army of 
Kendall Roy. So he's in an excellent position. I think okay. he could he could go to the the board right now and say, I want it to be me. And that's what he's going to do. And he said that to Frank too at the party. And he's going to make that move in the finale. But it's not going to work. Because he yes. also went and tried to get Colin on his side. Colin, who is the bodyguard for Logan Roy for the entirety of succession. Colin, who was incredibly emotional um, at, at Logan's funeral, who also had his one biggest moment in the episode before Logan died when they went to the restaurant together and had a conversation just about life and how life is short and legacy. And it was really awkward. And like you felt awkward watching it as a viewer in that moment with Colin. But when Kendall went up to Colin after the funeral and basically was like, hey man, I need you to be on my side. He was shaking hands. He was kissing babies. He was definitely feeling that high. And I think that Colin isn't the guy that he should have done that to. And I think the reception and the look and the feelings that I got as I watched Colin, I didn't know if he was, I didn't know what he was, what he was thinking, which credit to that actor. I think that, uh, I, I couldn't tell if he was like, I can't believe this guy is saying this at his father's funeral to me right now, or I can't believe who Kendall has become. And this is the new Logan Roy. It, you couldn't get any indication that it was one or the other. So what I believe will happen is that Colin, who's the only person who knows about the, the death of the waiter at Shiv and Tom's wedding because of Kendall's uh, state of mind. And I don't, I don't know if you, like it's probably like involuntary vehicular manslaughter, which that would take him down for sure. That would absolutely take him out of contention and out of the running to be the CEO of Waystar Royco, especially at such a pivotal moment with Mencken becoming president with the Gojo deal right around the corner. And I think that Colin will go to the old guard, Jerry, Frank, Carl, your favorite, and convince them that it's in the best interest of the company, the company that Logan Roy built out of nothing. Logan Roy who Colin has the utmost loyalty to, even in the grave. And the old guard convinces Stewie and the rest of the board to not back uh, Kendall and to shut him out. And then I think inevitably Shiv won't be able to be Matson's pick because Matson was really turned off by her pregnancy. Like really, really turned off. I know he didn't show it, but I think we've know we know enough about this guy at this point with his relationship with Epa and his communication with Shiv. He's a wild card. So, you know, he was talking about a domestic CEO for the company after the Gojo deal, but I certainly don't think it's gonna be Shiv. No. And then at this point I already said, yeah, we can rule out Roman. So if Kendall gets knocked off by the old guard through Colin by revealing his deepest, darkest secret, which hasn't been brought up this this series. Sorry, this season, but it did, it was brought up at the very end of season three when he shared that information with his brother and his sister. So they also know. And I think, you know, ultimately we get a scene where it's Stewie giving the news to, to Kendall and uh, kind of just, you know, a lot of stuff reminiscent of the, the first season when he screwed him over and he was kind of just like, sorry, Ken, like this is, 
the right move financially for all of us. Okay. And ultimately, there is one who remains to be the pick for the CEO in the United States when the GoDo deal goes through and Mankin allows it. And it can't be Tom because Tom has blood on his hands now from ATN. And there's only one other Roy member who's left to pick to pick from, and he's the perfect puppet. I honestly think like Greg the Egg has a, a relatively decent shot at ending up as CEO. It's absolutely wild, but Matson would get whatever he wanted from it. Mankin would get whatever he wanted from it. Greg is the type of guy that has <laughs> just enough of not a conscience <laughs> to get the job done. I mean, he, he's fired people left and right. He had that moment with Jess where Jess, which I was talking with you and Nick about, she represents like the point of view of the average human for like us. Like that's who I relate to when I watch a show. I'm like, I think the same way that Jess does when she makes the Jim Palpert face because Kendall said something absolutely ridiculous. I'm like, I'm making that face right now too. Yeah. She is the only like tether to the, to the real world in this show because none of these people are operating on a planet that the majority of humans operate on, on a daily basis. And she had that conversation with Greg and she was basically like, Greg, like you don't need to make the call to send Mencken into the presidency. And Greg was like, eh, well, but someone has to tell them it's going to happen anyway. Like, I just think that it, it sounds ridiculous, obviously, because it would end the show with Greg the Egg becoming the CEO of Waystar Royco. You saw Bran on the Iron Throne. Anything could happen. But let me also say this. The show began with Greg, too. The first scene in this show, in succession, season one, episode one, is when Greg throws up in the mascot costume <laughs> at, the, at the theme park. He started the show. He's going to end the show. I mean, it is a comedy. It's a dark comedy, but it's a comedy. And what is the what is one of the top rules of comedy? Full circle. Full circle. Close the loop. You got to bring it back. So I think that, I mean, this is really, I don't know if it's going to stick, but this is, this is one of the better theories I've heard in, in a, of any show in a long, long time. I mean, what do we know? What do we know from it? Let's start there. The Mankin alliance with Gojo seems real. So Lucas yeah. and Mankin seem legit. Yep. I'm, I'm buying that. I'm buying that. There's a world I texted you guys after you texted the theory. I texted you guys. There's a world in which Shiv, who's put all her eggs in the Lucas basket, Roman and Roman, who's put all of Roman and Kendall's eggs because they control each other's eggs a little bit. They tethered together. Roman and, and Kendall, who put all their eggs in the in the Mankin basket. The three of them sit there going, oh, my God, what have we done? We've given our company to a foreign, you know, a foreign entity. And yeah. we put a president in place who is off the rails. It's off the rails. I saw That's a clip under the other day. Under understatement. Yeah, I saw a clip the other day. It's like, like Roman calling him out for being a fascist. So we have an, it's so we have they they have put this all in place. I think Colin, I think going after Colin, I think it's I think I'm going to err on the side. that was a bad move. Because I don't think Kendall knows their relationship. Also, Kendall came at him a little hot. I think calling him out for like therapy and stuff like that and whatnot. Like, you know, I don't know what the deal was. I think Colin and Ken and, and and Logan, we saw when he died, 
Like, why show us the scene of him just standing on the tarmac? He was the one that was like, everyone was moving and shaking. He was the only one that was really devastated by this death. I mean, think about, think about what his job is for however long he worked for Logan to protect him. Not only his, his physical body, but also his legacy and what he represented and letting Kendall be the CEO of this company ultimately will be detrimental. He has seen the damaging behavior that Ken has brought to himself and to others with that kid who's who lost his life. Like it's just and, and I think, you know, is is as great of an episode as it was for Ken as he continues to to kind of summit here. He also at the beginning of the episode said, I'm going to throw myself in front of a car to stop Rava from getting out of the city. Yeah, and- I, was about to, I was about to bring up the fatherhood thing, like, is another point of, like, he's still not a good father. Well, he's obviously, at this point, I think it's pretty apparent what Jesse Armstrong, the creator and the writers, have been trying to do, which is draw tons of parallels to, to Logan, right? And you could even say when Ewan divulges that Logan and their parents basically blamed Logan for the death of Rose, their sister, that that kind of hardened him and shaped him into who he would become when he would create this massive empire and become this brute, as as uh, Kendall called him. Kendall also has a death that kind of changed the trajectory of who he was and made him in many respects, like someone we had to take more seriously um, because of what had happened to him. Like our perspective as a viewer changed a lot when that happened to him, you know, because especially in TV and in film, a lot of times if we don't see the consequences of the actions of addicts to other people, we don't find that the addiction to be that damaging. Mm. And it's something that we take less seriously. We, like we might laugh at it, right? If he goes and blows down again, like in a den in Albuquerque. But once once something bad has happened, then we really look at it as like that is a truly damaging behavior. Once and, he killed that kid, it was it was he was a ticking time bomb. Like it could go off at any second. Like and and the and I think the immediate reaction at that point, because the the whole question of the show every single episode is who is going to be the successor. At the time, we were like, "It can't be him. It can't." I he's, still, he's got a he's got a blemish on his resume that just cannot be overlooked. Yeah, I, I don't think I. Here's what I think. I think I'm not saying. I think it can't be him still, but I rest on the the nostalgia that it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Like I really, and I'll die there. I think it could have been Kendall, but. Too many things have happened. He's made a mess of himself too publicly at times for people to trust it. And I do think that the Colin, I think he could, I think he's, when you're riding a high, you know, and you're client and you're summiting, like you're saying, like the higher you get, the better you feel, the closer you are to your goal. 
all that being said, the bigger the fall, and you're not looking back. You're passing things and not checking your back and looking behind you. So he's had this conversation and he's moved on. In his eyes, the conversation's a win. Yeah. He's done when he, he, he walks mind, away. He's like smiling when he walks away. Yeah. He, I and and go, I, let me, let me just mention that in that entire theory that I just put out there, uh, Connor was not mentioned one time, but, uh, we, we all know where everybody stands on Connor and we know where the entire United States stands on Connor as well. And so Connor is going to have an incredible time in Slovenia. He might even get a chance to play one-on-one with Luka Doncic and live out my dream, which I'm super excited about for him. That's hilarious. Yeah. And then he's getting the top bunk in the grave once he passes. In the yeah, little I mausoleum. Wanna, <laughs> I want to, was it, was it King Lear that this was based off of? I, I don't think it's necessarily like, I think there's loose ties to King Lear and um, Murdoch, Rupert, Murdoch's family, obviously. Like, I think there's loose ties to a lot of different things here. But Armstrong is, um, he's from Manchester. So, you know, there's the, the the English tie there to one of the goats, Shakespeare, whoever Shakespeare is. Who do you, do you, do you know that those like theories about? Not as well anymore, but I used to be really. Like, is Shakespeare, is Shakespeare a woman? Is Shakespeare a collection of different writers? Or is it the person that like, the history books tell us that William Shakespeare is. I'm sure it's a bit of both. Could be. Uh, Rupert Murdoch's wife in uh, real life is named this blonde woman named Jerry. That's hilarious. Or we talked about this already. You know, who, you know, uh, Jerry, the actor, you know who she's married to. She's married to the guy who wrote. She's Kenneth married Lonergan. Kenneth Lonergan. Yeah, Kenneth yeah. Lonergan. Yeah. Which is he involved? Because it's weird. Is he involved in this at all? I don't think so. Because she's married to him, and uh, Kieran did the, the, one of our. Right, our this is our youth. Yeah, they they obviously know each other very very well. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is very, which is considering their characters and where their characters have gone, very interesting. Their it probably makes it, it. I mean, it probably makes it easier, honestly. Yeah, for. I wonder if he dies. Just fucking around with each other, basically. I wonder if he dies. Roman. Yeah. I mean, he's in physical peril right now. He's in the middle of the streets. Yeah. I mean, that's not a that's not a crazy theory. I hope none of them die. It doesn't feel like it's that kind of show, but anything could happen. Anything could happen. The, do we know the runtime on this thing? No, we don't, but it, it it's gotta be one fifteen. They've got a lot to get done. A lot of loose ends to tie up. <laughs> But as the way that it goes with these finales, like I say that, but they don't really have like there are certain things that they're they gonna tie up. They're gonna what they tie up for you. Well, there's just a lot of characters that I feel like I'd like to see some sort of closure on. Who? You know? Who do you? Who are you nervous about not getting that for? I mean, if I don't get a lot of Connor in this episode, I'm gonna be upset. If I don't get, if I don't get Tom Shiv closure, I'm gonna be upset. If I don't get Carolina closure. I'm going to be upset. I need to know who's going to win between Hugo and Carolina. You're going to get that. But that's going to, you could get that in five seconds. Yeah. That's like, you're going to get everything you need and it's going to be quick. What about Jerry? You think Jerry? So, so we're looking at a Jerry Roman scene for sure. Right. 
are we going to see, like, is Rava going to be in this episode? Probably not. Maybe a small bit. But, like, Rava, Carolina, Hugo, those are small bits. You know you know the coolest thing about Kendall Roy? What? Is that he named his son Iverson. Yes, that is the cool. Yeah. The coolest, coolest thing about Kendall Roy. Um, speaking of Iverson, very excited about succession. Love your theory. What's last 10 minutes? Let's talk about – we'll talk about who, man. So Nuggets move on. LeBron may retire. And then now we're sitting here with the Celtics down 3-1. Melo just retired. Yeah. Where where does Carmelo rank for you among players? What is he in that 50 to 75 range? Yeah. To me he is. I think um where does he rank like players you've seen? Like you've seen. So like let's say let's say 2000 up. It's tough. It's tough. I mean we were having there's so many good players that are playing right now, played in the last 10 years, and then the guys that, you know, kind of started late 90s into the 2000s. Um, we just list guys like Kobe, Dirk, Duncan, KG, Pierce, Wade, LeBron, obviously, Steph, KD, um, Shaq. Like, so many of these players, and a lot of those guys have rings, are all better than Carmelo. Um, definitely one of the best pure scorers that that we got to watch. Also, I, it's not lost on me that in the Olympics, the Redeem team, he at times was their best player. He he was incredible uh, for the Olympic squad. I, I think he shot like fifty percent from three years. He's like not. That. Is he not the all time leading scorer in Olympic history? Oh, you should check on that because if he is, that's. I think he I, – I could check on that. I just got a notification. Sorry, that's why I picked up my phone about uh, John Morant. So we're hoping he's okay. He had a well. He had a wellness check this morning. Yeah, I saw his Instagram uh, where it was, it was curious and precarious just what he posted on the stories. Um, not a lot of context. And the last one that he posted – so he put he took his story down, or the story's been taken down. Yeah, I think he I think it's kind of coming at him like a tidal wave right now. He's a young guy, like look, like you know, you don't want anyone to, you know, to, to falter. But anyway, back to Mello, who I think to me, Mello has one of the more like people know that Russ got a hard way to go. You know what I'm saying? I think mm-hmm. Mello unfairly got a hard way to go, to be honest. Uh KD is this is the all is now the all time in the US now, but he jumped, he, uh, he surpassed Carmelo. Yeah, to me, Carmelo Anthony, like New York not working out was not Carmelo Anthony's fault. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that like, makes sense. Like, it was not his fault that that Amari Stoudemire got hurt. Like it was not his fault that they traded their half their team for him. Like he he used to show up and play. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not his fault the team he had around him. Like I don't fault him for what happened in New York. I think he gave it as good of a go as anyone outside of like LeBron could have given it. Like if LeBron went there, I think they make you know maybe they go to the finals, right? 
Probably. But outside, outside of that, like, like, look, man, like, he goes to New York. He goes to New York. He's dealing with a Celtics team that's still dangerous. Who they two at one point he took down. Yeah. In the playoffs. He's dealing with a heat, a good heat team, a good Orlando team that was around. He was dealing with a good, you know, Chicago team, right? Like there were teams like so my hair's all over the place. Um, he was <laughs> they were dealing with really, you know, strong, strong teams at the time. And I just I me, mean, I feel like his career got a bad shake. I don't know. I've always loved Carmelo Anthony. Some of my favorite moments of basketball is why, like him against the Bulls. Like, you know, this is my city moment that he had. Um, I think he gave that city all he had. And I think he gave that franchise all he had. And, you know, he's a one, two, three, four, five, six time all star for the, for the Knicks. Yeah, uh, he played in, in in the he played in seventy games one two three times and then a sixty seven game season, and then he had you know one season where he was hurt. Well, and a scoring title. Just, I like. I think it's important to note as well. I'm just looking at. I need a fifty five game season as a shortened lockout season. I'm just looking at the teams here. So he he. He's not playing with them in 2017. But he's there basically from 2010 until the end of the 2016 season. Mm -hmm. He had Jeff Hornacek as a coach. And Steve Mills was their general manager. They had Derek Fisher as a head coach. They had Mike Woodson as a head coach. And then Glenn Grunwald was their general manager. They had Dan Tony. Like they had Donnie Walsh as their general manager. Like they had like five general managers, president of basketball operations. Every team calls it something different. And they had like five head coaches. The to me immediately, that's a massive red flag when you're looking back at that team and the expectations, the realistic expectations of what Carmelo should have been able to do in regards to to playoff success. I think now more than ever we've honed in on as talented as guys are now then the creation of a roster around your superstars is essential in competing deep in the playoffs and getting to the NBA finals. I mean, you look at this, this nuggets team, they've been together for five years. Like they, this, this core of Porter jr, Jamal Murray. And I know Murray wasn't on the court, you know, last year, Jokic, but these guys have all been in the same locker room for, for four or five years now. Mike Malone has been their head coach the entire time. That's such a luxury. That is not something that a lot of NBA teams can say that they have. And and go figure, it took them that long to actually put the right guys around Jokic because they had to go get Aaron Gordon. They had to go get Bruce Brown. They had to bring back Uncle Jeff. Christian Braun, who they drafted this year, gave them really important minutes. But they also had to trade Bones Highland away from the team this year. They had to they had to move... Uh, no, never mind. They traded for Thomas Bryant, which is wild that like he's still on this team. Mm-hmm. And they had to bring DeAndre Jordan into the locker room as a vocal leader. They're kind of like Udon- Udonis Haslam. I mean, that guy's like up on the bench. like He's in it. He, he is involved. So I just all that to say, like Carmelo never never really had a, a fair shake at that. Yeah, and, I, I'm looking at the he went to 
the he was the best he ever did was his the number two seed. He was a two seed in 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 the playoffs. As a two seed in the playoffs, he lost to the three seeded Indiana Pacers. The Pacers had Paul George. The Pacers had uh, Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert. They had Vogel. Vogel. They had was Granger on that team. Um, Danny G was not on that team. They had Stevenson, George Hill, David West. Yeah, good team. It's a good team. Like, and the Mellows, like the leading scorers for the Knicks in that series, Mello had 29. J.R. Smith had 14. Our boy Raymond, who you're tight with, had 11. And then no one else had 10 plus. Shumpert had 9.7. Amari, yeah, I mean, I Amari, Amari and Chandler were like kind of done, dude. Yeah. I mean, you could go look at every roster that he was on for his entire career, and not once would you tell me, oh, yeah, that's one, that's a roster that looks like they can win a title. No, man, like no way. And that Boston team he took down, they that was yeah. I mean, they had Uncle Jeff, no no Jesus, but they had Jeff, they had Paul Pierce, they had Kevin Garnett, um, you know, no they had no Rondo. He was hurt. Uh Bradley, um, young Bradley, yeah. But he took you know, he he got the monkey off his back with KG and Paul Pierce, right? Um and that was another series where Mello was, if I do remember correctly, pretty, pretty tremendous. The twenty nine point, yeah, twenty nine point. Raymond was good in that series too. Our boy Raymond, shout out to him. But I, you know, I think if you get, you know, if we ever get Raymond on our show, and or next time you sit down with Raymond, talk. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. No, ask about Mello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Throw I mean, throw a- him my question if you don't mind. If he was kind of like, if he got a, if he did, if he feels he didn't get a fair shake. In and by that, you mean like like I'm saying, like with, with team, the guys around him? Guys around him and the way that he was perceived. Like I feel like there is – and like when you have better players around you, you not only have guys playing better and are you're a more complete team, but your game also elevates. There's less – you're seeing less – he's seeing less doubles. He's seeing, you know, yeah. better shot selections. Like who knows what he could have done, well, honestly. Well, think about this. Guys like Melo who are – at least as the media talks about them while they're playing, he's he's a one-way player, right? Elite offensive player. But he is like the, uh, the ne- one way of the one way, though. Yeah. And I think when you talk legacy, when you talk historical context in the NBA, it gets really, really difficult when guys like that don't have a ring. The only defense for them is if they do get a ring. Dirk. It's got a ring. Steph has a ring. And then you list out all the other players who are the superstars on the teams that have won. Mm-hmm. They can play on both sides of the uh, both sides of the court. Kobe, Shaq, Tim Duncan, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Like all those guys play Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? Like I like these guys play on both sides of the ball. So when you're a guy like Melo, I I think you just you get you get criticized even more because you know he he was the ultimate offensive weapon for stretches oh, of sure, his career. Sure, but I think but I, but the ultimate dude he's got he's got a scoring title. Yeah, he's a ten time All Star. He's a six time All NBA. He's an incredible player. 22 points per game career average. And that even includes, you know, 
the the end of his career where he even in his last year with the Lakers he still averaged 13 points per game it didn't it's feel great. like that it really didn't feel like that no but he was like and he got thrown around the muck he was sent here he was sent there he went to OKC he went to he went to Portland like the places he oh, oh the places you'll go starring Carmelo and he did a stint in Houston he played 10 games there like when he he played 70 dude he played can you imagine 33 years old, Carmelo Anthony gets sent to Oklahoma City. 33. Guy plays 78 games. Like, yeah. is he at his best? No. But I mean, died. hey, that team, that team is 48 and 34. He Doesn't... gave it. He gave it all he got. I mean, that was actually not a bad team. They just really disappeared in the playoffs. He played with a, Raymond. He played with Raymond again there too. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. That that was um that was a really bad first round series. That was a really really. Did he uh, win? The, is that the year Russ won the MVP or no? It was, and it's they got bounced in the first round against the no, Jazz. He, he didn't win. He won. He didn't win the MVP. It was the MVP year. Yep. No, it was the year after. That was Harden's MVP year. Might have been. Yeah. That was oh, the triple double record year though. I'm pretty sure. He I means the guy had a triple double. He averaged a triple no, double. No, but when he broke Oscar's record. Oh, uh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, because the year before he won the scoring title with a triple double, and the year after that was that was Paul George's first year. Yeah, and Paul George was top five in MVP candidacy as well, I think. Maybe not by the end of the season, but like throughout the season. It's one of Paul George's best years. And that was a really bad blemish on Russ's playoff record. Terrible. I mean, a lot, Donovan Mitchell was the best player on that jazz team. And he was what? Like second year in the league. Oh, that is such a bad Rube, Ru, Ricky Rubio destroyed them that one game in Utah. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, we talk about like heliocentric style basketball that I felt like they were really lost in that series and not to just like, reminisce about the days where they lost first round in the first round but yeah it was kind of like hey russ you did so much for us during the regular season you're gonna keep doing that right but in the playoffs we know that's not necessarily true you need other guys to step up and that's one of the things back back to Jokic. it's what he does so well is he elevates the guys around him and they're they're ready they're ready for the call Mm -hmm. but it is interesting that i bring up the nuggets and kind of the consistency with them Melo had more consistency and his teams were more of a threat, I felt, when he was in Denver. And, you know, George Carl was coaching that team. And whatever people think about George Carl now is just fine. I, he says some ridiculous things every now and then, and he's pretty old at this point. But those are some competitive teams. They knocked out the Mavs uh, in one series. J.R. Smith, Smith was like peak, peak powers, J.R. Smith, at that point. That's when he went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's a good team. Ugh, and he he won one in L.A. <laughs> Can you imagine going to L.A. and winning one at Staples back then? Yeah, Kobe came to Denver the next game at forty-one. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I mean, I'm I'm still doing what I like that exercise. Like I'm I'm racking my brain for guys that have won titles 
who are top two guy on their team and aren't a two-way player. Like, how much of a two-way player? No. Like, you can tell me, like, okay, like Parker and Ginobili, but they had Duncan, you know? And they had Kawhi in that later one. They're not terrible defenders. Eh, Parker's not a good defender. The steals, good steals guy. Yeah, Ginobili's not a not a great defender though. Dirk was solid. Dirk was a terrible defender. He wasn't. You don't think he was solid? No, not at all. He's a bad defender. So you think that's like the only guy, really? Yeah. Best guy on his team. I mean, St- I would consider Steph a better defender than Dirk. Dirk now never, I would. Al- I would also say that. How much blocks per? Nah. Didn't didn't matter. Well, he always played with his center too. I mean, he played with Brendan Haywood, who, and Eric Dampier, and like as, and Tyson Chandler, and as as you know, those guys. Chandler obviously is lauded by NBA fans, especially Dallas fans. But I wouldn't say that Eric Dampier, Desagna Jop, and uh, whoever, and Brendan Haywood are elite NBA starting centers. They're absolutely not. But they were good shot blockers and they were good rim protectors. Yeah, I feel like Dirk got boards though. Not not like not terribly. Not like like Lopez level. But he but he was like he was a matador. Like Olay. Like I'm serious. He blow by it. And maybe teams didn't target him like they should have. But I think also the reason why we won in twenty eleven, we put the perfect team around him. Sean Marion's one of the most versatile defenders we've Never. seen in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Tyson Chandler, Deshaun Stevenson. We had we had a good we had good defenders on that team. Jason Kidd, good good size, always been a good defender. Great hands. It's a good team. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Tio. It always comes back to the Mavs in succession. T dot. We'll see you later. We'll see you another time. I'll see you for best to believe later. And have fun in Austin, Texas, Josh Fisher. Hook them horns, baby. Hook them horns. Uh, I'll be sending you. I think I honestly might cry when I land. I'm going to be so happy. Cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> Fans out there, drag both feet about swing a full count. Rip the puck at that punch PKs because they free your free throws. Why? Because they free. That they are. We actually love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.